0: Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 52. I hope all of you are doing well today, and uh, thank you for tuning in to this podcast once again. I can only speak for myself, but I am a lot busier this summer than I was last summer. And it was last summer that I began this podcast. And at some point uh, I got way ahead of schedule with a lot of interviews and I had this good idea of doing more than one episode a week, sometimes two episodes a week uh, in the summer months before it, it settled into the once a week episode that it's become. Uh, well, like I said, I'm, I'm a lot busier now. I've got five shows that are on the schedule including one that begins rehearsal tonight um recording this the thursday before the episode releases in addition to that i've got composing and arranging projects and uh, just this week i resumed full-time in-person teaching still teaching a few students online but it's just a big transition week transition time i think that's a, a long way of saying that there's not going to be any changes to this podcast this month. I still plan to release a new episode each Friday. Um, The end of this month, though, marks one year that this podcast has been available. And not only am I quite a bit busier than I was when I began this podcast, but my guests are a lot busier, and that is great news for them. Their shows are coming back. Um, Broadway musicians are, they have dates that they can return to work. Um, maybe not all of them, but, but it's, it's happening, uh, every, a little bit each week, Broadway tours have been announced and I'm still debating on how the podcast will change its format in terms of re- being released, but rest assured, all of the, all of the options I have are to keep the podcast going and to continue to present new episodes as they become available. So more on that probably at the end of this month. Um, but for now, let's, uh, let's talk about today's episode. First of all, just a reminder, if you could uh, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast for future episodes. And uh, please leave a five-star rating if you haven't done so already. And you can leave a review or you can leave feedback at my website davidlanemusic.com slash podcast where you can also find all of the episodes and um, besides uh, feedback there is a opportunity to leave a donation uh, and that helps keep this podcast going as well and any amount that you can give is um, very gratefully received this week i am talking to matthew croft matthew croft has done just about every kind of theater uh, imaginable, uh, from community theaters to, um, regional professional. Uh, he has worked in the Ohio area. He's, he's worked in New York and, uh, he's worked around Michigan, but he's also had a show on Broadway that we'll discuss, but primarily we'll be talking about his work on national tours. And he's been on the tours of Guys and Dolls, the Producers. Motown the Musical, Something Rotten, and most recently, the Jesus Christ Superstar 50th Anniversary Tour. All of these shows are as a keyboardist, and some of them are as the music director. And we're going to talk to him about being on those tours, and he's even going to answer one of the most important questions that I think I've asked, and that's how, if you're a musician, do you get on these tours? He gives a very good answer. By the way, apologies in advance but the internet connection was really not very good when we had this interview. And so there's a lot of buffering, a lot of speed up, a lot of slow down. It's not perfect, but I think it's very good. Here's my conversation with Matthew Croft. Matthew, Matt, not sure what I'll call you tonight. Um, It it may come out either way, but (laughs) thank you for being with me today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, so first and foremost, um, thank you for your participation earlier in the podcast. You were one of the six music directors that I had on Ask the Music Director series. So uh, you know, thank you for the answers that you provided to uh, those questions.
1: That was. Fun. Uh, they were good questions. I had a good time with it. Nice.
0: Well, let's go ahead and start with. So, what is it that you do, and where do you live?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i currently based out of a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, but I'm a, a national tour music director and pianist. Um, currently the associate conductor and keyboard to Hammond player on the Jesus Christ Superstar Tour.
0: Great. Did you grow up in the Cleveland area?
1: No, I actually grew up in Detroit. Uh, my parents and I, uh, I was born in California, and then we moved uh, back to where my parents are from in Detroit. Um, about 30 minutes north of the city and, uh, grew up there, went to college there. And, uh, we moved here, um, to be a little closer to my fiance's family and, uh, yeah, Cleveland's great.
0: Okay. So how did you
1: get into music? <laughs> That's, you know, so I was <laughs> kind of a funny story. I was in elementary school and my best friend was taking piano lessons and I watched him play something and thought, oh, that's cool. I want to be cool like him. I'm going to go take piano lessons too. And then within six months of that, my best friend had stopped taking piano lessons because he was not happy that I had also started taking them and was playing harder music than him. Uh. Um, but I never stopped. So that was about th- I was seven,
0: right? thereabouts, so maybe mm.
1: earlier than that kind of took me, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. At first I thought I wanted to be an architect, but then I realized uh, math is not my forte. So, uh, you know, music was the next thing that I really gravitated towards.
0: Well, that's something we have in common. Uh, yeah, I used to watch a lot of Mr. Ed. Uh, you know, we we had uh, Nick at Night, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, you know, all these classic shows. And I was a big fan of Mr. Ed. And uh, I really liked the character of Wilbur, and he was an architect. And I thought, you know that would be cool to be an architect. I I think maybe I was secretly thinking it'd be cool to be an architect, work in a barn and have a talking horse (laughs) or something like that. I don't know. Um, But yeah, math was not my thing. i also thought about electronic engineering. Um, I mean, I actually, I'm pretty good at math, but just not that level of math. You know, it's like, I'm really good at at arithmetic. You know, I I rock that pretty well. (laughs) the, The more it gets complicated, the less I'm, I'm excited by it. (laughs) Right. Uh, And I don't think I really even considered a music major until I started composing. then I was like, Oh, okay. There's a, there's an Avenue I hadn't thought of. You said something though, that, um, you know, I've I've been teaching for over 20 years and I've, I've seen this happen before. A lot of times siblings will start together and you know, they're very cooperative Mm -hmm. and, and they're very supportive of each other. But then one Gets a little ahead and then gets further ahead, and there's a point where they keep going. The other one's like, uh you know, because they, they don't like that comparison. It's like I don't want to live with a person who's doing so much better than me. So it's why I try to when I when I get friends or siblings, mm-hmm. I try to get them on different methods. You know, so like there's no comparison. You know, and if you're not doing that well, you could just say, well, your music's harder
1: <laughs> or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, my parents were were big into like my dad ha- has a very eclectic taste. My mom does too, so they they brought me up listening to classical music. To big, my dad is a big band swing fan. He also loves like '80s like Genesis and uh, you know stu- uh, the Eagles, all sorts of stuff. So they they really you know they introduced me to the world of film music when I was in elementary school and john williams and i was hooked and i was like that's that's all i've ever you know i immediately was like i want to be a composer i want to i want to write movie scores like john williams Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until uh later in middle school that i realized that uh well perhaps theater could be just as cool
0: right so in middle school is that when you got into theater
1: yeah, I started doing the uh, like our middle school shows at the, the school I went to had all, you know, it was all tracked accompaniment. So I was actually running sound and lighting for those shows. And a friend of mine at the time, I think this was around 2001, 2002, played me, and this is going to sound very stereotypical, but she played me the Wicked recording. Right. And I never, I heard of musicals before and I, Uh, fine but i never had heard a score that to me sounded like it could have been straight out of a film score right and i think to me that was the first thing that captured my imagination of saying oh theater can be this cinematic and this like it doesn't have to be just songs and like here's a song here's a dance but it can be a whole thing it can tell a story just as well and i was hooked you know i you know this first chance i got to play in a musical was in high school my freshman year playing percussion two on fiddler on the roof and right. uh, I don't think I've stopped since.
0: Well, great. Yeah. Like I was with you talking about, uh, you know, when you're talking about wanting to write like John Williams and, um, but I didn't, uh, I didn't think of theater as an option at all until I was in my thirties. So that's, uh, that's, you know, we, 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 diverted a bit there, but I'm glad that you were able to discover this world much sooner than I did. Um, and yeah, Wicked. And I mean, there's so many modern scores that are really great. I mean, talking about, Talking about shows that don't sound like anything else, at least what came before it. You know, the show that you're doing now, Jesus Christ Superstar, certainly one of those. <laughs> um, that, that was one of those. I mean, I'm one of those um, guys that I, you know, I, I meet people, I meet musicians, I meet theater people. And seems like Andrew Lloyd Webber seems to divide people you've got the I love Andrew Lloyd Webber and I can't stand Andrew Lloyd Webber I've always uh, I usually don't get love hate on any of those I'm kind of in the middle Um, I I will say that I'm just not a huge fan overall of his musicals but Jesus Christ Superstar is is an exception to that for sure (laughs)
1: Far more complicated than I ever really, you know, I always knew there were a lot of layers to it, but having really dived into it for the show, you know, and just in, in talking to our music supervisor and an orchestrator, you know, the amount of detail that they were, they took us into to get the score on its feet. You know, I've done several Weber shows before, um, but I never really dived this detailed into one, and the amount of intricacy in it is, is remarkable, really. The show is quite a masterwork in a lot of ways.
0: Nice. Um, yeah. We'll talk more about Jesus Christ Superstar in just a moment. You know, you got into theater in uh, middle school. Did, did that carry into college? Have you like always done shows since you first got a chance?
1: Yeah. So I played shows throughout high school. My actual, um, I mean, I played in the pits for the high school shows between my junior and senior years of high school. Uh, acquaintance of mine uh, was working on a, a local like uh, and she called me and said, hey, "I need somebody to sub a rehearsal. Like, I know you can play theater. Like, you like theater. You're really into this. Like, why don't you come and play?" Um, I showed up, and they they, you know, I played the rehearsal, and the, the music supervisor like came to me afterwards, and she was like, "You're really great. Um, we need somebody to conduct the show and play like principal keys once we're in production." would you be interested in doing that? Um, you know, and I had to, you know, I w- of course was like, this would be thrilling, you know, on a full professional show, of course. Uh, I had to get my parents to sign some waivers because they were doing the show as, as originally intended with the drug use and the nudity and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were an onstage band. So, you know, they had to, we had to get all sorts of things signed because here I am a little 16 year old kid sitting at the piano doing this thing. Um, But ever since then, you know, that was really kind of the launching point. I did that and then I started working in some community theaters right out of high school. Um, And I've been playing, I don't think a year has gone by that I haven't played at least one musical um, since 2005.
0: Nice. nice. Yeah, 2005 was when I did Hair. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was just going to check that just making sure I heard that. Yeah. So here was your first musical. Uh, let's talk about some of the regional and professional theaters that you've done. So you've done, um, actually looks like quite a bit of, uh, things you've done some Auburn Hills, Michigan, Rochester, Michigan, uh, South Euclid, Ohio. And I think, I think that was it. It was the, the three theaters that I, that I happened to notice. Uh, so I'm assuming having talked to you now that the, uh, the Michigan ones are from earlier when you were growing up.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I, I did a lot of, of the things that I think are are still like I keep on my, my normal resume I send to people are. Uh, so they're the Rochester School District, which is a, one of the, the school districts in the county I grew up in, um, has a program they do every summer called Summer Music Theater where they it's, you know, open to kids from all over the area we average casts of 80 to 100 kids and you know it's a full-scale production I always had no less than 25 players in the orchestra um, and so we, we got to do you know I spent five years conducting them and working with them which you know it was kind of a mix of students and uh, professionals in the orchestra pit and then it was all students on stage and doing the tech um, and you know we did some really great shows and then uh, my final year with them uh, Aubrey Fink who was our Um, our director and choreographer, and who happens to be um, my fiance, um, she uh, had the idea to do Children of Eden, but to do this production of it, we'd seen uh, clips of a production that used a symphony, uh, like a full orchestra as opposed to the 18 piece, that's the licensed version. And uh, we got permission from the Schwartz organization to do it and to rent those charts. And so, you know, that's on, I think that's one of my, my, favorite regional shows I've ever done is, you know, we had 31 players under my baton and we had 82 people in the cast and it was an onstage orchestra. And I, uh, that show in particular, it's one of my very favorite musicals, but to do it with those forces, like it's already an emotional show and it's already a show that where the music really is, is super powerful, but then to add this spectacular orchestration, these strings and these horns that you, you know, you've never heard before pulling at your heart's like, it was it was just remarkable and that's that's a production I'll never forget you and know, I'd love the chance to do it again in a heartbeat if somebody asked I'd drop everything to go do that um and it you know I think we were we were the first non-professional group in the world to do it nice um so that that's one of my favorites um but i I worked there And then I worked with uh, Meadowbrook Theater, which is uh, the largest equity house in Michigan that happened to be on uh, a local college campus. And so I music directed for them and played for them for a while. And uh, now here in Ohio, I'm uh, working with Mercury Theater Company, which is a regional professional company based just outside the city.
0: Nice. I was just looking at some of the shows you did, and um, it's amazing. So, like, I'm not sure that I've done... Any of the ones you, that you've listed, except for Carrie, Legally Blonde, and uh, I was supposed to have done Shrek, but that was canceled by COVID, and uh, uh, I was just looking at some of the others, you know, like I've I've, I've done accompanying for classes, so I've played some of these, uh, but one that I know, because um, I went to support some friends that did this one, was is the show Ultra Boys, and that is just... I don't I don't think I've ever laughed harder at a show than that. <laughs> we
1: had a great that that was a our our set designer on that one really took it out of the park. He went and uh designed this like massive kind of stained glass meets uh rock concert set and we were all kind of spaced out about it. Um, wild show. I, I I was dying every night conducting it. Right. And
0: uh, it was so much fun. Oh, wait a minute. I was looking at your other shows. I've done some of those and speaking of laughing hard, yeah, evil dead. That's a great um, show.
1: <laughs> I have to say, I don't, I, I don't know what they've done with the material since, but we had to do a whole bunch of re, readjusting to make that show work, right? Because, I just don't, you can't play the show the way it's sent. Right. Um, we had some fun doing our production, just you know, just for fun because it was just we were trying to make it work. We used a bunch of music from various famous horror movies as kind of underscores and things, to kind of just live in that campy world of horror movie fandom and it, that was a great time
0: right yeah and so yeah songs of songs for a new world um pippin you yeah, have uh, done pippin twice and so yeah there's a few a few common things in in that section right there so so just in general <clears throat> michigan uh i mean let's just say detroit cleveland um how would you evaluate the theater scene as far as being a pit musician
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, Detroit, I spent a lot more time. I haven't really spent a ton of time in the Cleveland theater scene yet. Um, Detroit is an interesting thing because I think you have, there's a lot of community theaters around Detroit there. Um, you know, I want to say I've worked at like six or seven different community theaters in my time there, as well as working at Meadowbrook and playing for the colleges and stuff like that. Um, there's a really great pool of people who play shows in Detroit who kind of, who, you know, there's the, the people who play the Fisher and the, the, the touring musicians, but then there's kind of a secondary pool of people who play all the community and the semi-professional gigs. And there's a lot of really great talent there, um, which, you know, some people have gone on to do things. Some people have left the music field entirely. Thanks COVID.
0: Right. Um,
1: but, you know, in, in Cleveland, you know, I'm just starting to learn kind of the, the scene around here. There's not, I think there's a lot of like educational and there's a lot of community theater or like semi-pro theater based around the city, but I don't know. I know like the main thing in the area, like there's the Cleveland public theater and playhouse square downtown. Um, And there's, there's a handful of professional companies like mercury around here that do shows. Um, But I don't know that the musician pool is quite as, as large or had they do quite as big orchestras here. I think Normally things are a little smaller in terms of how many musicians they hire. Right. So you know, it's just been kind of fun. We're uh, gearing up to do Merrily. We roll along here in a couple of weeks with Mercury with uh, seven players, which will be, you know, it'll be fun. And it'll be nice to get back in front of live players for the first time since uh, 20, uh, May March 2020. But, you know, it's still it's definitely been interesting to try to mold that show and work it down to seven people.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, I can say you know just once again looking at your list of shows um, for the for for the MD keyboard books that some of you that some of the ones that you've done such as songs songs for a new world the last five years the light at the piazza uh, I mean just I just picked those three shows I, I can tell that that you've got some serious chops you know so. <laughs> um because those are not easy shows to play i I
1: would actually if anybody out there is ever going to do light in the piazza and attempt to play and conduct it um you are going to need a sixth member of your orchestra and that will be your page turner i actually uh, uh aubrey our choreographer on the production actually had was part of the orchestra as our page turner because i could never take my hands off the keyboard enough to turn the pages
0: right oh and by the way a lot of people know the name of the city where I live in because of that show. It mentions Winston-Salem in one of the songs. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So you've done some things on Broadway. You've done a lot of national tours. kind of seems like we should work up to Broadway, but it looks like national tours have been like your big thing. So we're going to, we're going to save that for last. Um, let's just talk about your one Broadway gig. You have a uh, thing, a uh, show called The Illusionist, turn of the century. So what, I don't even think I really know that show. Um, but you got to do a lot of stuff with it. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, that was quite the, um, so our, uh, my bass player who had done my first, uh, two tours, um, he, uh, is good friends. Uh, he had left our producers tour to do the uh, company of, Uh, Bridges of Madison County with uh, Keith Levinson, who was the music director Mm -hmm. Um, and they got to be friends and Keith uh, was asked to contract musicians for the illusionists and they needed somebody who had, you know, who was a good keyboard player, a conductor, somebody who could handle Ableton and all all sorts of technical stuff. And Keith asked Dave, who do you know? And Dave was like, call this guy. Um, He gave me a heads up. Keith's going to call you, um, be prepared. And you know, later that day it all kind of happened. Um, and so The Illusionist is actually, it's one of the iterations of the longtime um, magic show franchise, like the Variety Magic Act. Um, they've had a bunch of shows on Broadway in, in various iterations. Uh, this particular one was uh, based all about, like, turn-of-the-century magic, a- as evidenced by the name, but it was all about, like, vintage tricks or vintage illusions. Um, you know, we had, I think, we you know, we had a, a I'm going to get the number wrong. I should count them. They're all sitting in front of me on this poster. I think we had 10 or 12 different performers um, as well as assistants and, um, you know, doing all these incredible illusions. um, And they decided, you know, previous iterations of the show had had tracked music or, you know, it wasn't. But for this one, they had live musicians as part of it. In fact, the original versions in Australia when they did the show uh, had the musicians on stage for part of the show. Um, but for this one, they decided let's keep some live players in addition to some tracks. Uh, we had tracks recorded with a 60-piece orchestra in Prague and a big band in London. Um, and then there were four live players here uh, in you know, in our tryouts. And then when we went to New York, Um, but we were out in the boxes of the palace theater. So we were playing live visible. So we were all in full tuxedos and the whole nine yards get had to kind of hide our technology as much as we could. um, Even though there was quite a lot of it to be had.
0: Well, I was about to say you have, uh, you have Ableton, you have keyboard. I mean, how many, I mean, could you even do that with one laptop?
1: No, it was the the programming was not for the keyboards wasn't crazy, so we actually did most of it on board the the Kurzweil that we had and our pianist was just it was a straight piano part. Okay. So he was just using piano. Most of the computer stuff was done for Ableton uh running all the back the backing tracks. The interesting thing about doing a show like that though is because you're basing everything off of what's happening with the trick and if it goes right or if the audience has the different reaction if the magicians choose to do something longer or to go longer. Um, you know, it the show never was quite the same every night because we would be kind of making it as we go. We would, you know, I'd be playing along through the show and we'd say, okay, going back to X, two, three, and X. And so we'd loop sections. We'd jump around based on what was happening, uh, always just needing to be really paying attention. There were certain segments of the show where our daredevil, uh, Jonathan Goodwin, was uh, doing his stuff crazy stunts um to where the music supervisor and composer talked to me and said you need to be glued to that stage because if something goes wrong it's your job to hit the you know let's end everything and go home like music uh which we had a cue for
0: nice yeah no pressure or anything <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it was, it was really nice to have. We had some really wonderful musicians. Uh, Dave, my bassist, was playing, and we had uh, a Brian Raddick on drums, and Brent McGee was my other pianist. Um, and uh, I always, it was an interesting time because our first rehearsal was, I believe, the day after the or the yeah, it was the day after the 2016 election because it was also my birthday, and uh, we were in Akron, Ohio, doing our tryout. Kind of shell shocked about the election results, but also trying to be happy because here I am doing my first rehearsal for our Broadway show on my birthday. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget the weirdness of that, that day's rehearsal. Right.
0: Nice. Um, so let's talk about national tours because you've done quite a few of those. So uh, I'm assuming that your first one was Guys and Dolls. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Um, I did that one in 2014. That was my first one. Yeah.
0: Okay. So how did you get in, into that door? How did you, uh, I mean, it looks like you were a, yeah associate music director and keyboard too. So, um, was there an audition process or did you meet somebody in networking? How did you uh, get into that door?
1: Yeah. Our, uh, so working at Meadowbrook, which is one of the regional theaters in Michigan, um, are, I played a couple of shows with a music director named Greg Kinney, um, mm-hmm. And he was the he had done some touring with Big League Productions, who was the produ- production company behind Guys and Dolls. Um, he through the grapevine heard that Guys and Dolls was looking for somebody to play keyboard too and to take over as the associate music director. Um, they had some things reshuffle around, and uh, he was he messaged me, having played with them for a while, and been like, "Hey, I'm putting you up for this. I thought you'd be great. Are you interested?" And I said, "Sure." Um, You know, a couple days later, uh, Peter Nielsen, the music director, emailed me and said, hey, I got your information from Greg. Um, Do you have a couple of videos that you can send me just out of curiosity? Like, I'd love to talk to you more about it. Sent him a video or two that I happen to have laying around. And uh, because by that point, I didn't really know much about creating reels and stuff. That really wasn't something I knew a lot about or had a lot of footage. So I just sent him some clips that I had saved on my phone of stuff I'd played. And, you know, he emailed me back and said, Hey, this is great. Uh, here's the information. Can you be in New York next Wednesday? And this was a Friday night because um, they were already in rehearsal for the tour. Um, so, you know, we kind of worked it out because I, I had a full-time church job at the time, as well as, you know, music directing a bunch of shows. I had a whole slate lined up for the spring um, and I kind of had to very quickly sort out how to pass those off to other people and and take my leave of the church position and say, find a place to stay in New York for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, but we got it all settled in you know, record time. And I think I was out by the following Friday. So they gave me about a week to get everything in order and to go. Um, and so, you know, I was out there and I played rehearsals and got to know the music director and the music staff. And from there, you know, we spent, six months on the road with that tour and it, you know guys and Dolls is a such a fun show um our music supervisor his name is skip brevis he wrote this really rock and gospel version of uh sit down you rock in the boat so that by the time we got to the middle we played it as as written for a while and then we got to the middle and it just exploded into this cacophony of you know boogie woogie hammond organ and piano and you know every night that was a, a showstopper I'd bring down the house
0: nice I want to chase something you just said, because we've never talked about it on this podcast. So You talked about you didn't know about creating reels, and we never talked about creating reels. So what is that, and, uh, like, what does that involve?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's something I've seen a lot, and I've had a lot of requests for going, you know, on tours I've done since. You know, the the music supervisor or the contractor, if there is one involved, you know, they if it's not somebody that you've worked with who specifically says, Hey, I want you on the show. A lot of times they'll ask for like some playing samples. Um, You'll see that. Or or if you see stuff on Playbill, they're like send us samples of your playing. And so it's one of the things that I've been learning how to put together is some, you know, I, I take videos from these shows uh, using, you know, I've been borrowing some cameras or now I have a GoPro that I take with me to record. Um, And, you know, take clips of myself playing from various productions I've done so that I can kind of edit together like a short, ideally five to six minute long uh, compilation video of various things you've done, show off kind of the different skills. Um, A lot of people, um, the advice I've seen is like, is tailor your reel to what you're doing. So if I were going in for a show like, superstar i would you know i would submit more like rock and roll kind of music, as opposed to like broadway boom chick you know classic numbers um but you know it's it's an interesting thing it's been a lot more prevalent as things have gotten you know the more i've gotten into the touring world the more they want to see videos of people um and as a music director who's hired musicians that's been one of the things that i've asked to see is actually to see the somebody's like demo reel and then to have them put an audition on tape for me to send in
0: right uh, you know, way back when I started this podcast, one of my first guests was Daniel Buchan, uh, who, who I played I played keyboard three for a production that he, um, music directed and I, and I forgot to ask him about this, but, uh, you know, he was a graduate conducting student. And so he w- he was fully into that. And, er, you know, I would watch him set up a camera, you know, before mm-hmm. that. and And he just said nowadays, you know, he just kind of said, to whoever was listening it's like uh, this is just something you got to do now <laughs> you know get get yourself recorded so yeah
1: yeah if you can invest even if you can do it on your phone or something like just if you can invest in getting some videos of yourself playing it, it really is helpful especially for music direct if you're looking for a touring job or even if you're moving to like a new area um i know it was one of the things that i was you know, hoping to try to ask and, and find from people here in Cleveland since I'm new, like I don't know a lot of the musicians, is either like if I have some recommendations, great. But if it's somebody I've never some brand new person who's got no recommendations, you know, I'm like, do you have a resume? Do you have any samples? Cause I just like to hear what you can do. Right. Um, helps the music director really be able to kind of gauge if, because you can be a great player, but I want to be like, okay, I'm doing Amelie. I need this sensitivity or this style of music. Can you, can you sound like that? Do you have anything that sounds like that? So then I'm not just kind of taking a chance because you know, the more, the, the higher level you go, the less risks, I think a lot of people are willing to take in terms of, can you play the book right? You know?
0: Now do you have files that you would just share upon request or, are there like are there things on YouTube that people could accidentally discover and say hey I like the way he plays? <laughs> there
1: are actually. I have a couple of things um when shows ask for something specific, like if they uh, like superstar, they asked me to send in certain clips. They sent me music, asked me to record it. And then for my second round of auditions, they asked for actual playing on a Hammond to, to get the organ stuff. Those I keep private and send when requested, but I actually have some longer reels. And then I have my short current reel that are all public on YouTube. And then if, if I'm applying for something, I'll just send them the YouTube link along with my resume. And, you know, people have commented on them and found them on YouTube and, left various messages and various niceties.
0: Okay. I was going to say, are they always nice? <laughs> Trolls
1: yet, but you never know.
0: Right, right. Um, so, yeah, actually, uh, you know, send me, send me your uh, link to your YouTube page, and uh, I'll include that in the notes because I just think it might be helpful, you know, for, uh, I know we have some music students, so, you know, it might be helpful to just see what one of these reels looks like. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. We'll go down the list of every show that you've done. You did the producers, um, Motown, the musical, Something Rotten, and then we got to Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, I guess one thing that uh, I definitely would like to talk about Motown and Something Rotten, because uh, it, it looks like you're, you're actually the music director on that. So what is that like being a music director on tour?
1: It's a whole thing. You know, it's actually a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of responsibilities, and Motown was unique in that we had uh, children actors as well. Something Rotten we didn't, but Motown had two young actors. So part of the responsibilities was not just maintaining the show on the road, like being in charge of conducting, um, making sure you know the orchestra and the cast are tight, making sure understudies are ready to go, playing rehearsals and whatnot. But also on Motown, I had to make sure that the, the young actors were staying healthy, that we were staying on top of their vocal health, and keeping them prepared to go on and to switch on and off. And if we had to change a key, we had an alternate key in case, you know, puberty struck <laughs> You know, and I'm and, and just making sure, and the, those two uh, kids were dynamite. They were wonderful. And so we were, we were quite lucky with them. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest thing is, and those two tours we did self-contained, so we didn't pick up any local players. I know a lot of union shows that will go out and, and do things. will travel with, you know, four to five people, and then they'll pick up the rest of the orchestra in every city. So you have to have a rehearsal. We didn't ever have to do that, which was kind of uh kind of nice just because I always knew what we were going to get every night when I got into the orchestra pit, but it was really very little surprises. Um, and then, you know, you're in charge of, you know, handling any sort of like technical issues that come up, interfacing with your stage management and the creative team back in New York um, working with your sound designer making sure that all the sound stuff and everything on the road stays consistent. And if you have any problems, um, working with your associate conductor um, to make sure that they are ready to conduct the show um, getting them up on the podium to do their thing and to, to get some experience conducting the production, um, making sure that they're playing rehearsals, all that good stuff. It, it's a real, it's not just the music responsibilities on the road, but it's a whole logistic and like personnel section. That's, you know, it's, I think because of the virtue of the fact that you're all in one bubble traveling together, you know, you really get to know these people really well which is kind of kind of fun. It becomes a second family as you travel around, um, but it's definitely some unique challenges to traveling as a music director versus being a music director for a sit down production.
0: Right now, on either of these productions or both of them, were you there from the beginning? So, like, were you doing the typical music director thing of like sitting in on auditions and 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 teaching the cast their parts from the beginning, or did you come in at a later stage?
1: For both of these, because these were both... Uh, the Motown tour was the the third year of that tour. Um, the, and for a lot of the shows in New York uh, and on tour, um, at least the ones that I have done, are the music supervisor, so the person who's in, kind of in charge of the music department, um, they're going to be the one who who is kind of working with the casting department to, to and the creative team to cast the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of input in that, and I wasn't present for the auditions, um, but I was there for all the rehearsals because I was... Right you're helping to teach the music or playing for staging rehearsals or choreography, you know, to get the flow of the show, to work with finessing stuff. Um, I would do some vocal coaching with some of the soloists and things like that. Um, And the music supervisors are really there and active about teaching the show to keep it exactly the same as they want it Mm -hmm. so that the, the touring company sounds the same as the Broadway company Um, And and as much as they can, making sure that both you and your associate conductor know the show, know the vocal score and know the like the acting and the the technical, but also the character dimensions of all the music is really important. You know, you take copious notes and rehearsal because you're you know, you're going to end up being that person six months down the road um which you know is is kind of one of the things that i love about touring and, and working in that regard is to be able to be that have have be able to work with these new cast members and keep things fresh on the road it is always kind of neat and to see how a show evolves as you get six months a year out from your original rehearsal and see you know how everybody has grown and matured into their roles but still you've got to keep it all Within, you know, the music supervisor gives you a box that the show fits in and you need to keep it there while allowing the freedom for everybody to to be an actor and a musician. And that's the fun part about it.
0: Nice. So I'm really intrigued by Jesus Christ Superstar, um, the the current tour that you're doing. So uh, are you playing an actual Hammond organ for that show?
1: Yeah, so they have me on a a dual keyboard setup. I have a, a Yamaha, I think it's a CP4 is my principal keyboard that I'm playing all the synthesizer stuff on. And then it's a it's not, it's not a Hammond unit. It's not like a full Hammond console, but it is a Hammond organ, one of their virtual ones. I think it's the SK-1 is the model that I'm playing. Um, but it's, you know, 61 keys. It has all the drawbars and all the settings and everything. Um, and one of the things that they were really particular about in the audition and one of the, the things that they wanted to see was somebody who knew how to play the organ, have the right feel, but also be able to manipulate the drawbars to change the sound while you're playing. Because the whole thing that they wanted, the whole concept of this revival is getting the show back to its original, the Brown album, the original concept album of the show. They wanted this to sound like we took the record and put it on stage, brought it to life. So a lot of the really kind of 70s era impro- improvised uh, dissonance and weirdness in the keyboard parts on that album is really something that they, they spent a lot of time making sure that we would have on tour. Uh, which is why they specifically made sure there was a Hammond organ chair and not just a keyboard chair.
0: Well, that right there would entice me to go to the audience because uh, I'm one of those, uh, I know a lot of friends who agree, the concept album is an all-time great classic recording nothing that's been produced since then matches it, you know, in that show's history. I'm really glad to hear that because that means that the overture is there. And, and obviously I haven't heard every Broadway show, you know, ever made. So, so this is, this list is far from comprehensive, but in my mind, the overture to gypsy is probably my favorite all time overture for Broadway show. And real close second would be Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) Our um,
1: our guitarist Mike Frederick, he's our guitar one on the show. Um, if you, if you get the chance to see the show and if your audience, um, he is featured. I start the show with like kind of the low synth rumble underneath, and he's just out there wailing on that solo. And every night it just gives me it's phenomenal. Um, and it's you know the whole show from start to finish is just a riot of energy and excitement. And we have a, a killer band, and the cast is absolutely stunning. And so it it's 95 minutes of just non-stop go on that show, which is kind of nice because right. it's you do the show and then you have time enough to eat dinner afterwards. Um nice. after you play it. But it's you know, for those 95 minutes, we are all like all all the cast, all the musicians, we are working. That is not it is not a show to to slack off on. <laughs> nice.
0: Now uh I didn't look at the article, but you know, we're having this interview on uh well, it's April 14th. And I saw someone post on Facebook today that tours were announced. I don't know for what shows today. So um, I don't know if you're you're included on that, but hopefully it sounds like you're coming back to work soon.
1: They are. You know what? They I I know we have been announced on a whole bunch of seasons coming up this starting in the in the fall and hopefully um you know we'll everything will work out and we'll be able to do it because it would be very nice to get back to it it's it's such a fun show that you know and i miss my my co-workers and playing the show so i i know the hope is that hopefully by september october we'll be back in full force um rocking out with everybody
0: right great do you have a, a favorite horror story from your time in the pit
1: Oh, I do. I do. So I was uh, on the producer and I was playing. So on the producers, our uh, orchestrator, uh, his name is Tony Juralis, who was a Broadway. He was the associate conductor of the producers on Broadway um, and it was playing Something Rotten on Broadway at the time of our tour. Uh, was or, He orchestrated it from the pit of Something Rotten, he liked to joke. And uh, the way he he did it is that the conductor book was actually kind of the keyboard two book. It was strings. It was a lot of extra stuff. And my part was the piano part plus harp triggers and percussion. It was a nightmare of a book, but it was, it was always fun to play. Um, We had just finished it was in Pueblo, Colorado. I remember exactly where it is. I don't know what it was, but I was sick as a dog. Mm. Um, And you know, that, that show has a bunch of exposed piano solos. And especially when we had nine players in the pit, we didn't have, a lot more exposed solos happened. So I would play something. I would get through to the next spot that I knew I could duck out. I'd run out of the pit, be sick, come back, play the next round. And when we made it through that show and, and uh, we went on to our next city, Colorado, uh, Colorado Springs, where our, um, no, I'm sorry. It was not, it was Albuquerque, New Mexico. And our music director um, got the same thing uh, on the night that we were supposed to travel And our, our read 2 player um, also had a, a, an emergency of health emergency and couldn't. so we were missing two players, including our conductor, um, going into our next show in a new city. And uh, our production we, they managed to find somebody else uh, who they brought they flew out on a red eye to to play the read 2 book. So he was sight reading, but I was conducting for the first time a show down a keyboard and with a new read 2 player. And, you know, it it went pretty well. I'm not going to lie, but I don't, uh, I was so deeply stressed the entire time trying to combine multiple crazy keyboard parts. And it, you know, it ended up working all right, but that I was very grateful to see our conductor back, back in act.
0: Wow. Yeah, that does sound stressful. And and I got to say, if I'm, if I'm inclined to be superstitious at all, you are the second Person I've interviewed who's done tours that gave me a horror story that took place in Colorado. So I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything bad because I love Colorado Springs and the pueblo is very pretty. I think it. Oh, I don't yeah. know what it was. Something just. I don't, maybe it was our just none of our digestive systems were very happy or what it right. was. Right. Something just made us all sick.
0: And uh, what's a particularly fond memory from your time in the pit?
1: That's a harder one just because there's so many Um, we had, there's a moment and I think you can actually see it on my demo reel. Uh, We were playing Motown in Boston and there was looking back on it. There was, there's a woman who I couldn't see during the time, but watching the video, there was a woman behind us about three rows back who was just, Dancing and loving the show the entire time, and Motown's a you know two and a half hour musical, and I don't think this woman ever sat still the entire two and a half hours. Um, and to see audience members like that is is really rewarding and really exciting. Um, we also had a moment in Motown where uh, our actor playing Diana Ross would go out into the audience and have people sing, uh, reach out and touch, as Diana Ross did in her concert. And uh, occasionally you get a singer out there who we would all look at each other and be like, why is this guy not on our tour? He's amazing. Um, and those were always exciting. But I, th- I think one of my most fond memories has to be um, going back to that children of Eden production that I talked about earlier um, and doing, doing that show for the first uh, picking up the baton for the first time. Cause I, you know, we had done the, some rehearsals with the actor or with the orchestra for several weeks Um, But doing that first set probe to where the actors and everybody got to hear it for the first time and and getting through something, the the ending of that show in the beginning is such a, such a powerful message of of peace and how we we as humanity can choose to be better or we can choose to go to our base instincts. It's up to us Mm -hmm. and that with this sweeping, grandiose orchestration, um, you know, I, I still get some chills about that every time. That's, that's a great memory and then coupled with, you know, giving the first downbeat on Broadway on The Illusionist was very exciting.
0: Nice. Um, you know. uh, I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions related to tours. So uh, now this may not at first may not sound like a question for tours, but I didn't I don't think I asked you uh, in advance. Um, do, do you have a relationship? Do you have a family? And And if so, does that how does how does being on tour all the time affect that?
1: I do. I am engaged to a very talented uh, young woman named Aubrey Fink. She's a director and a choreographer and an actor. Um, So thankfully being in the same industry, I think it it makes it easier because there's an understanding of how it works. And, you know, and, and she is, she was the director and choreographer for children of Eden. Um, She's the director of education for Mercury theater company that I'm, I'm music directing for right now over the summer. Um, And she's a, brilliantly talented in her own right and so it kind of works nicely that we we can kind of bounce we work well as a team together bouncing ideas and, and creatively off together so I think I think it would be harder if I were had a family with somebody who didn't understand like the theater world because it is such a niche specific thing of what do you mean you're going to be traveling and playing piano and doing this whole thing on a bus for six months or you know it's right I, th- I think it could be quite difficult. Um, And a lot of musician friends I know make it work, um, but I I feel pretty lucky to have a partner who who is supportive and understanding of it because she's right there.
0: (laughs) Nice. Uh, Is there anything that you find particularly challenging or even particularly rewarding about being on tours?
1: I think the most reward, one of the more rewarding things is especially you know I'm superstar because we're it's a full equity and union show and so we're we're playing some of these big you know, quote unquote A venues, these these big cities all across the country, which has been coming. But one of the one of the fun things that I always enjoyed, and uh, something rotten in Motown, we would play some of the smaller venues and, and the the previous tours before those. And so, so to see some of these people who, you know, maybe get three or four shows a year and they're driving three or four hours to come see the show, because it's the only like Broadway level type thing happening around them. Like some of these people were so excited. There's a particular memory I have. Uh the producers was in vale colorado which is a tiny little mountaintop town it's it's a ski resort with maybe a couple of houses basically um but for some reason in this giant ski resort they built a theater and they would bring in shows and so we were there setting up and um the theater is tiny so several of our musicians were remoted in hallways and things but you know our keyboards and winds were in the orchestra pit and uh our first like, as soon as they opened the doors, the first people in were these this young couple of teenagers who sat in the front row and started talking to us, um, who had given up their prom tickets in order to pay for tickets to see the show, because they loved theater so much, and they were so excited that something was coming close enough to where they could see it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. you know, and, and so getting to talk to her and, you know, the, the, the guy who had come with her, and they were both so excited about being there and seeing the show, and they stayed after to take pictures with everybody, and yeah. You know that kind of thing was really heartwarming to just. That's kind. Of, I think one of the most rewarding things, or to have. I also would say people visiting the pit. I always love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the chance to do it myself to get to know musicians and to. You know our our drummer on on Motown and Something Rotten, uh, Jesse Ray Leach, is a, is a wonderful musician, and he. Um. He there's a there's a young man who has followed him on Instagram and who is a you know will uh, on both tours now has come to sit in the pit who's like. I think he's 12 or 13, um, but, you know, he loves playing drums and he loves musicals and he wants to play. And so every time we've gone a tour that's gone close, he's come to see it and come to sit in. Um, and that that's always one of the things I think is most rewarding is to let people who either have an interest in this or fellow musicians or... Anybody really, who has a, a to do it, it, it's really exciting to see how like engaged and fascinated these, you know, these people are, is, is really fun in terms of challenges about touring. I think the travel can get wearing. Yeah. I think That's, that's probably the biggest thing is, is especially if you're on a show that's doing one nights or split weeks or things like that to where you're playing multiple cities in a week, it, the more the longer you have to do that the, the more kind of exhausted because you never really feel like you get caught up on your rest right um and and as much as it is for us i i bow down to the the crews of these shows who travel overnight and put the show up all day um they are the unsung heroes of everything and we owe them everything to do these shows
0: right well i feel like this is a. Uh... I'm so glad that I can finally do this. This is, uh, I'm not even sure what episode we're on. I think it's either 51 or 52 by the time that your episode releases. (laughs) But I can finally say to the listeners, check your local venues and see when uh, Jesus Christ Superstar 50th Anniversary Tour is coming. And you can meet one of our guests. You can go down to the pit and uh, meet the keyboard two player, uh, Matthew Croft. So uh, definitely want to encourage people to come do that.
1: So I, you'll have to wave at me from the audience because uh, we're, we're actually on stage in the set. But.
0: Ah, got it. Okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, what are just some of the other projects that you have going on at the moment?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, so I'm music directing, like I said, Mer- uh, Merrily We Roll Along, and then all the summer shows from Mercury Theater Company here in Cleveland. Um which I, they're about to announce their season soon, so everybody can find me. Uh, there's a theater in Denmark that's having me uh, orchestrate a show for them. Uh, they're doing a, a, a version of the Wild Party, and they need some reductions done of that. So I'm working on that as we speak. Um, and then, you know, I, I went to school for composition. My I, that's originally what my plan was. You know, to, to do composition and piano and conducting. Um, and so, and I spent ten years working as a church music director in Michigan before leaving to tour. Um, and so I kind of gained a kind of an a, a enjoyment of the, like the choral music world of like the praise and worshipy choral music with orchestra and everything. I always, we always tried to put together an orchestra and choir for Christmas and Easter. Um, and so I've been working on writing a whole bunch of Christmas arrangements that are in that vein that I'm, you know, I'm working on getting some demos recorded and and seeing what options are out there for people who might want to perform them or publish them, all that good stuff. Cause You know, Christmas music is just my favorite.
0: Great. Um, Last question, where can people follow you?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at uh, Matt Croft Music and same on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, if you just search Matthew Croft, I think it'll come up or I think I have a Matthew Croft Music Director page as well. Um, and then I have a website, MatthewCroftmusic.com, that's got my resume and clips and, and all that stuff. Um, in addition, there's uh one of the other things I do on a regular basis is I write uh, string quartet commissions for weddings. Yeah. Um there's a quartet I work with back in Michigan who uh, they send clients my way whenever they need a song arranged that there isn't music out there for. Um and so those songs are all available on the website too, because yeah. they've been a big
0: hit. <laughs> Uh, what's what's the strangest thing you've ever, ever done? I'll go ahead and answer mine first. I, the f- strangest thing I was ever asked to do is I had to do a, a string tree arrangement of yellow by Coldplay. <laughs> All right. All right. I like that. Yeah.
1: Um Point. I, it, it's probably a good tie because I had somebody who was, he was uh, doing a whole Bollywood themed wedding. So he actually uh, commissioned 10 different Bollywood songs to be arranged for string quartet, which allowed, you know, I learned a whole new musical vernacular to do that, which was really cool. And there's actually some, like, I, I learned so much by doing that and there's some wonderful music. Um, so it's either that or a uh, Fred bear by Ted Nugent.
0: Hmm. Nice. Well, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Well, uh, I just, again, apologies. Our internet connection was not good. I I think we got a lot of good clips. There's some speed up and slow down. But, um, you know, and and I may have to lose a few things when we edit. But, unfortunately, it's just what what it is. But I I think we got some good, there's good material there. It's just there's some stuff that won't sound so good. Again, Matthew, thank you for taking time. And uh, good luck with uh, getting back on tour.
1: Thanks. uh, Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun.
0: And that wraps up episode 52. And and that was just fully keeping with the theme of that episode of technical difficulties by the fact that I cut off his final word fun during the editing process. Um, I apologize once again, you know, just for the difficulties with the internet Um, again, from my perspective, I think the material was very good and it was very clear um, if you have any questions about any of the points, you know, feel free to send me a message. Um, you, you can do that on Instagram or you can do that through my website. Uh, next Friday, we will be back with episode fifty-three. That will be on June eleventh. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a special thanks to Mark Perollo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about this podcast, leave feedback, or leave a donation at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts, and please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.